I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast. On this week's episode, we discuss the return of Welcome to Wrexham, audio problems for the Premier League and Bundesliga games, and whether Apple's plans for soccer are a good move or not. My name is Christopher Harris. I'm joined by my co-host, Kartik Kirschneier. Kartik, how's it going? It's going pretty well. It's been an interesting week uh, in terms of uh, football from around the globe. Uh, uh, after kind of the malaise or the, 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 the dulp uh, international break, uh, we're back in full swing. So let's talk about the professional game of soccer and, and dive into some of these topics we want to talk about uh, regarding professional soccer and and we're going to take a a, a jump over to to Wrexham um the first few episodes uh, few episodes of season two have premiered uh in in the last few weeks Uh, the first episode focused on King Charles and kind of his visit to to Wrexham and then we had the the season two episode two really really fantastic um episode about autism and about Paul Mullen um his story and his son and basically the story of his family and everything that they were going through with their son who has uh, autism um, and really diving deep into that topic. Uh, I mean, that, that was the one I mentioned, I think, in the last episode. I, w- I was crying my eyes out at, the, at that episode. Um, this, the, the, the weird thing about Welcome to Wrexham, Kartik, and I when I talked to Humphrey Kerr about this, I, I mentioned it to him, is that it's almost like the whole world knows what happens during season two, um, you know, we know that, I mean, <laughs> if, you, if you don't know, uh, silence this for a, for a, like 30 seconds, but we, we all know that Wrexham gets promoted to the English Football League. However, the way that season two begins, it's okay, we're now in the National League. Again, we're going to try to get promoted uh, to the, uh, the the fourth uh, tier of, of English soccer. Um What's your take on, on Welcome to Wrexham so far? I mean, what stood out for you? And, and does it feel weird going back through last season, knowing what happens? It's a little weird uh, because now I think that the, the difference between the first season and the second season was that we had so much of the second season, it, particularly the FA Cup run, in our face, right? Um, in real time on ESPN's family of networks here in the States. So we know how the story is going to play out, and, and we're looking forward to the episodes which involve the FA Cup. Uh, it's a little bit of a weird day to talk about this. Um, uh, those of you who don't know, one of the clubs I do support, I- I historically have supported, been a little distant from them recently because they fell out of the football league for years, uh, is Stockport County. And uh, 
those of you who don't want to know uh, a teaser for one of the episodes in season three, you can mute right now. But Stockport crushed Wrexham this past weekend. Uh, probably the worst defeat Wrexham has had under this ownership group. And uh, I can't wait for the episode in season three, for <laughs> which features this match. Uh, however, we're probably waiting a year and a half for that. So that's the thing about Welcome to Wrexham. There's a bit of a delay. But let me tell you once again... And I know this, I and mean, for some reason, Chris, when we talk about Welcome to Wrexham, it elicits all this um, uncomfortable uh, rhetoric from some fans in the U.S., pushback rhetoric. There is, again, as we saw in the first two episodes of this season, no soccer documentary, I think, historically, that's been set up this way, that talks so much about the personal stories, the individuals involved, uh, develops those characters for you, and really embraces kind of and not just in passing oh well we play in this working class community blah 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 now let's get on to something else embraces the community feel so the king charles episode is about wrexham and this is something that uh for those of us who follow uk government um is really interesting actually may not be interesting for most soccer fans but uh the designation of what's a city what's a township that sort of thing um that's really interesting it can only happen by royal decree is something that I've known for years. So watching an episode on Wrexham going through that process with King Charles is super cool and super interesting and the sort of thing you will never get in another series about soccer. Um, and that makes it a wider cultural phenomenon because that's interesting to a segment of people that don't like soccer. I mean, it's like kind of um, uh, a, 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 this is a this may be a, a bad analogy. I'm going to make a music analogy, but there are tons of people in the UK who know Paul McCartney not because he was in the Beatles, but because of Mullah Kintyre, right? They know Wings. A lot of them know Wings as much or more than they know the Beatles because that touched a nerve with people who don't normally listen to music. That particular mm -hmm. record of McCartney's and Wings. Uh, this is kind of similar. Like this episode, I think will probably touch a nerve with a lot of people that don't normally watch soccer and I, let me tell you what a cultural phenomenon this this series is everywhere in the world or at least in in, in kind of the anglo-american world i'm on talk sport once or twice a week i've now repeatedly had the producers before i go on my live segment tell me before uh i, I i'm put on hey no welcome to Wrexham spoilers. A lot of our audience hasn't watched this week's episode yet. <laughs> and that's 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 the first thing on their mind, not the actual football. I mean, what 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 a cultural phenomenon this show is. Yeah, and it's the thing that about about the series is that um really the stars of the show are the people from the local community from Wrexham. It's it's not it's not Ryan Reynolds, it's Rob it's not Rob McElhenney, it's not Humphrey Kerr, it's not Sean Harvey, it's not Paul Mullen. But really, the stars of the show are the people that uh, either work behind the scenes at the club, uh, whether it's the, the person in charge of the women's football sides of things or uh, the woman that's working in, in the club shop or it's the, the, the band uh, and, and one of the band members uh, is going through cancer and his story or if it's the, the local fans that uh, some of them are, you mean, have children that... I mean, as a family, and they're going through all all kind of their stress and pressure, and how Wrexham has really kind of has saved them, or, or the the two uh, older women who you mean are, are friends, and, and they're friends because of Wrexham, and they get together, and 
go out for a cup of tea or, or for a drink and socialize outside of Wrexham, so on and so forth. I mean, whether it's also the woman in charge of um, the disabilities, you mean in terms of all the disabled soccer fans who come to the games and everything that she's trying to do to help the community. I mean, you can go down the list. There's, there's probably a whole bunch more that I haven't even mentioned. I mean, Wayne from the turf, the, the his story and, and how, you mean, this this club has transformed the economy of Wrexham. So it, it, it is so, you mean, endearing to watch this series. And, and what I like about season two, especially so far, is it seems that every single episode has a purpose. So like the episode about autism, you mean, episode two, uh, episode three focuses on Notts County and and how Wrexham and Notts County are going head to head. Both of these teams, you mean just just as well as Wrexham does, Notts County does too, so on and so forth. And and that that I like too, where it is a little bit more. Um, this it's telling more stories. I mean, season one I think was more of a primer, uh, focusing on what is Wales, what is the language, what is the history. Why, why Wrexham, learning about the, the town itself. Now that we have those basics, now in season two, it really is focused on a whole bunch of different topics. And, and I'm sure there's going to be some other ones coming up too. The FA Cup episode, which um, I don't think has come out yet, but it's coming out in a few weeks. That one I was surprised by, um, without giving any spoilers, but surprised by is, is that was one episode. So they focused on the FA Cup as what what the tournament is, what the competition is, how it works, uh, and why it's important um, to clubs up and down the country. And it's a whole episode focused on on the FA Cup run, which yeah, was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you and I have both uh, watched the uh, screener for that, uh, and so we don't want to give any spoilers. But I, that I will uh, corroborate that the FA Cup. Uh, episode if for for soccer fans i think is a must watch even if you don't watch the rest of the series you're gonna when that um episode comes out in in a few weeks uh you're gonna want to watch that yeah and the fa cup episode i think that's a good example because um earlier i mean before season two came out the question i had was how do you squeeze everything that happened uh during last season the last soccer season into season two because there's so many different things and the FA Cup one is a good example because it skipped a lot of the earlier rounds which which are the, there were great stories about Blythe Spartans and playing um you mean some non-league teams in the qualifying rounds just to get into the uh the third the, the, the uh, third round proper of the FA Cup so they kind of skipped through those and just gave you the scores of what happened in those games so yeah, it, it it is. If you haven't watched it by yet, uh, by by now, I thoroughly recommend it. It's on uh, 10 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday nights on FX, and then it replays on. It's available on Hulu from Wednesdays, and you can you can watch uh, the first. I think three episodes are out already. I think the fourth episode will be out this week. But uh, highly highly recommended. Switching gears a bit, Kartik, uh, there was an article that came out uh, this past week in GQ. I'm not sure if you saw that, but uh, it's of interest to to us and to I'm, I'm sure to listeners too, because Apple, we know, is very interested in acquiring more sports rights, uh, specifically soccer. And they've been in discussions with the Bundesliga, uh, Premier League and other leagues in the last couple of years. 
pretty much any time a conversation comes up about uh, soccer rights or bidding for rights, Apple is mentioned in that, in that conversation. Plus, as we all know, uh, Apple has the MLS rights for the next 10 years. However, in an interview with GQ last week, Apple executive Eddie Q, who is second in command uh, to Tim Cook, had some things to say about how they envision changing the sport of soccer. Now, in this article uh, from GQ, this is this is uh, word for word what uh, the the writer says. The writer says uh, Q was more concerned about a possible limit on the ways Apple and MLS might market the league stars. And Eddie Q says, this is uh, verbatim, players need to be characters. They need to be celebs. That's part of sports, too. It's not just what happens uh, at the time they're playing and how they prepare and the music. It's a minor thing. It's not that important, but an example, it's an example of, uh, of at the level of which things are managed that seem crazy. Uh, so basically, and, and he, uh, the writer goes on to say that uh, in a few instances, though, he was chafing against the strictures of the way things are done. Eddie Q says, honestly, we have to play by a lot of FIFA rules. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now, Kartik, what uh, the Apple executive is saying is, is what he wants to do is to actually allow players in the warm-ups and training before a game to be wearing headphones. Um, and, and for you mean the actual coverage of the game? Maybe you mean maybe it's a live kind of like, hey, I don't know, Carlos Villa, how's it feeling? Like, are you excited for the game? Tell us what what, what you're doing as you're knocking the ball back and forth. Um, what's your opinion about this, Kartik? I think it's terrible. I mean, I I saw that interview earlier this week and was was kind of outraged by it because it's 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 uh, something that I think 
distinguishes football or soccer from American sports. American sports have become, American team sports have become very driven, even the rules by television. Right, you'll have these coaches doing interviews in the middle of plays in, in, in college football. In, in uh, uh, college basketball, the actual format of the game is dictated by TV timeouts and when those TV timeouts come and, and uh, so on and so forth. Baseball, hockey, same thing. So I, I don't want to see international uh, the, the, the most popular international game go down this road in order to placate media executives and TV. Uh, I am a realist. I'm not just an idealist. I I do understand some of this is necessary. Some changes are necessary, but I think we've already gotten those things. Like VAR, for instance, is a technology-based, media-based thing, uh, in addition to some of the other uh, innovations we've seen. So uh, I'm not very comfortable with this. Yeah. I mean, if you look at examples of other broadcasters, you look at, say, NBC Sports and what they've done with the Premier League – they haven't changed the way that the game is played. They haven't uh, changed. I mean, what happens pre-game? The the changes that there have have been made as a result of NBC Sports. Um, one was really the bonus coverage. So when you're watching a Premier League match and on television, just like this past weekend, it's Brighton against Bournemouth. It ends full time whistle, and you still have ten minutes to go in the Arsenal uh, Spurs. Uh, London Derby because of injury time. You know, I mean, you switch over and say, "Hey, for bonus coverage, here we go. We've got the last uh, few minutes of the game," and that's something that uh, NBC Sports started doing. And then after that, after they started doing that uh, what, over ten years ago, and then all of a sudden, Fox Sports would do it, CBS would do it, and, and others copied it. But it didn't really, it didn't change uh, what's happening on the field. It was just a different way of, of broadcasting the games and just providing additional, uh, coverage. And then, and then the other thing that NBC sports has done, uh, in addition with other broadcasters from around the world is trying to get more access. So trying to get more, maybe pre-match interview or post-match interview, uh, those types of things. And, and, and that they've been successful with in terms of getting that, but again, to me, that doesn't change the game. It doesn't get in the way. It doesn't seem uh, contrived. I mean, it's basically just, it's, it's common sense. Now, what Apple is trying to do and what they're talking about and what they want to do, to me, it sounds like um, baseball. It sounds like what they're trying to do is turn it into almost um, kind of the, uh, the all-star game in baseball. And if you watch all-star game in baseball, Usually before the game starts, the players are all mic'd up. They got the headphones on. They're like, even the pitchers at the mound, and you mean he's just taking his time and he's talking to the broadcaster. And and to me, soccer is such a different sport. I mean, in warmups, you're going to be running around, you're going to be passing the ball, you're going to be moving a lot. You mean you're concentrating on it, on every movement that you're you're making, not just standing at, at a pitcher's mound. So to me, that that's what it sounds like. Is is it sounds like. Eddie Q obviously is not a soccer guy. He's an American sports guy that's coming in and says, hey, how can we Americanize Major League Soccer? And with MLS, I, I can understand it in terms of it's a long-term partnership. It's 10 years. And here's an opportunity to work with MLS to, to change some things. But my worry here is that the things that they're, that they're talking about or thinking about are things that they want to apply to other soccer leagues from around the world. And, and that's not going to fly. Some of the other things that he said, too, I mean, even going back to that quote that he mentioned before to Kartik, 
players need to be characters. They need to be celebs. No, they don't. <laughs> you mean, you and I and, and listeners, we watch the game because we love the game. We love the sport. Um, you mean, we love the teams. You mean, we don't need the players to be characters. We don't need the players to be celebs. You mean, to be a celeb or to, to be a character on the pitch? Yes. Like, you mean, if it's a, you mean, whoever it may be, right? Whatever that player is, let them show what they're worth and, and their skill and, and ability on the pitch. We don't need to see that off, off, I mean, before a match by wearing, I mean, Beats headphones or AirPods uh, to make them feel like characters or celebs. If they're good enough, they are celebs. Well, that's part of the product placement for Apple is the AirPods and Beats thing. Keep that in mind. Yeah, and then the other thing that Eddie Q had said too is, honestly, we have to play by a lot of FIFA rules and and kind of saying that in a way that they've tried to change some of the rules. And one of the things that came up too, which was a little bit confusing too, but he kept on talking about the game clock. He's like, how come we don't have a game clock in soccer? (laughs) Right, and it, and it, and it's you mean the game clock. The clock is kept by the the referee on the pitch. You mean he he's the only one that knows um, how many how much time is left. Left. He's adding on time in coordination with his assistants uh, to allow for different injuries, etc. It sounds like he wants to have a game clock. On, you mean on the screen, down to the very second, maybe counting down. You mean like you mean two minutes to go. Here we go. So everybody knows. Uh, and that does not fly in soccer. Some of the other couple of things he said too, um, he says, uh, Eddie Hughes says, I think sports is something that is going to continue to grow in importance, but it's clear that the path that it's on now is not the right one. And so what is it? Uh, that gave us an opportunity to participate or to get in the game around it and see if we could shape the future of it. And we'll see. It's early, but I think the opportunity is there. Who's going to take it and what it's going to be? Not as clear. So he's talking about, yeah, really kind of rethinking sports just the way that, say, Apple rethought the the music business, right? They're looking at it as like, here's an opportunity to appeal to sports fans, but to do it the Apple way. And then last but not least, a couple more quotes from, from Eddie Q. Eddie says, if you try to do a deal with almost everything that's out there, it's doing the same exact deal that has existed for the last 20 years. Pick a sport, pick a set of games, and pick a region. And that's really all, all that's been out there. It's, it's all the same. And then lastly, the reality is everyone has seen that sports is changing. From the fan base's perspective, if you don't change, you're going to be left behind. Here, we have the advantage. We don't have the history. And I, in some ways, that could be a disadvantage, though. I mean, what they're saying is, hey, we have the advantage, which is the advantage is that they have, I mean, trillions of dollars, right? They're the, the world's richest uh, uh, company. They have so much money. They have so much power. What they don't have is the history. But it's the history, actually, I think, that, that really kind of pulls us into the sport anyway, that we want to. And, and I'm open to changes. I'm not a traditionalist. I mean, but I do want this. I mean, the sport is good enough as is that doesn't need to be changed. I mean, yes, there's VAR things and like like that. But outside of VAR, for the most part, soccer is a beautiful game. It's called a beautiful game for a reason. And these words by Eddie it, it kind of, I don't know, it's almost like a warning. It's like, hey, we're big enough. 
we got the power and we're willing to make changes. And, and to me as a soccer fan, as a purist in terms of the way the sport has been played, uh, these are worrying signs to me. What about, what about you, Kartik? Very worrying. I, I was, I saw this interview, we're recording this on Monday. It's been almost a week. I think I saw it on Wednesday of last week, and, and I was outraged. I, I just couldn't believe, again, we're going through this discussion about, and no, I'm not trying to offend people here. People get very sensitive when things show up on Twitter, and they get very nationalistic. And as I said earlier in this podcast, I'm someone who embraces uh, soccer at the most local grassroots level in the United States, in small towns, uh, and around the country, because I am fundamentally an American, and that's my identity. But I am tired of American executives, people coming from business. This includes people who buy football clubs who are Americans. Making these sorts of kind of, what's the term I'm looking for? Cockamamie, for lack of a better term, suggestions about how a sport that is far more popular than any sport uh, invented in the United States that's, that's uh, 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 omnipresent in American culture is globally. Right? There's no comparison between any of these American sports uh, globally and football. But there is constant condescension when it comes from American executives and American owners. Well, f uh, football, soccer, it's not the most commercial thing. You know, we're Americans. We know best. We're the, we're, the, we're the bastions of capitalism or whatever, when in fact they're not, really. I mean, it's like the free market is much more, uh, uh, is much more vigorously practiced in European football than it is in any of these American sports. But I'm so tired of this, right? This just seems like every year we're having this conversation, whether it's an executive at Apple or it's some guy who buys a team that, that's an American hedge fund manager or some investment banker or it's some other television executive at a, at a traditional media network mouthing off about why soccer is less popular in the U.S. than American football um, and projecting uh, the American audience as if it's the global audience. Yeah, part of this too is, is that uh, if soccer fans in Europe uh, didn't stand up and, and voice their concerns and voice their complaints, uh, we would have a Super League right now. And the Super League, the idea of the, super, of the Super League and a lot of the proponents for the Super League, a lot of them were American businessmen. So whether it was the Cronkies, the Glazers, uh, FSG, etc. American really, sponsors too, by the way. In, in terms of sponsors wanting to... You know, Get involved, yeah. And the American, brand, the brands. And American invest, investment banks in, in, in terms of wanting to fund it. So it wasn't just yeah. American owners. Because a lot of the people who push back on this argument, Chris, will say, oh, well, you're just naming the American owners. There were Spanish uh, executives, Agnelli, Zing, Italian, although he's very Americanized, by the way, uh, Andre Agnelli uh, from the Fiat family at Juventus, and uh, Florentino Perez. But the, the financial impetus came from, uh, from the United States. Yes. Yeah, so, my, so my point here is that, uh, I mean, Americans have done great work in terms of the business of soccer, uh, going into a lot of these Euro European clubs, and then turning around the business side of things as far as whether it's Liverpool is a great example under F FSG. I mean, the Glazers is a bad example in terms of how much debt they've put into the club, but they have done a really good job on, on the commercial side of things, uh, commercial sponsors, etc. You know, FSG is probably a great example. Um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there's a lot of examples of where Americans have come in and really turned the cl club around financially as far as business decisions. But where I, I do get upset with and I do get worried about 
is when they want to change the game. And and that's the part that to me is sacrilegious. That's the part that is has been working, has you mean continues to work, you mean, and is something that you know, it worries me because it's one of those things that you mean again with the Super League. I mean, or I or promotion relegation, right? Uh, if a lot of these American businesses uh, business owners had their way in these European clubs, a lot of them would say, hey, let's get rid of promotion relegation because, you mean, we can actually make more money that way. We can have some financial security that it's not going to, we're not going to get relegated. We're going to continue to make money hand over fist every year. Isn't this wonderful? And and going back to the Apple thing, I mean, that, so with Major League Soccer, I'm not so concerned by that in terms of the, the way they want to run the league because MLS even as an organization is run in a very different way than the rest of the world in terms of single entity. Um, I mean, just it's, it's very plastic in many ways in terms of, you mean, you mean all, all the, all the, uh, the teams having the same uh, kit manufacturer, you mean having, you mean, they're all basically part owners of major league soccer. They're all, you mean under that single entity uh, umbrella, so there's a lot of things there that, that you mean for MLS that works for MLS. Does it work for uh, across US soccer in terms of a, a best system? No, but uh, it is what it is. So um, so these words from Apple do worry me in terms of that, that, that it does seem that they want to change soccer for the worse, even though they don't realize it that way. So Kartik, uh from this past weekend, we saw, and we'll get into um, this a little bit in the listener mailbag for the Bundesliga but uh, I do definitely want to talk about uh, the Premier League and one of the games this weekend, which was really butchered by uh, some audio problems in that uh, Man United against Burnley match. Yeah, and, and it was obvious within 30 seconds. And it's kind of stunning. It took NBC 40 minutes to, to adjust it. So kickoff uh, at Turf Moor, uh, within 30 seconds, you can tell the audio is not sinking the commentator's audio was not syncing to the actual action that you're seeing on the pitch. So I thought, okay, it's on my end. I exit Peacock, load back up. Minute, So now we're a minute and a half, two minutes into the match. Same issue. So then I started messaging other people watching the game, and they were all having the same issues. And in fact, some people decided they were going to jump on their VPN and watch uh, broadcast from elsewhere, which is something I think we're going to get more into in the in the listener mailbag uh, about about streaming and, and and this sort of thing. So um, then I thought, okay, they'll fix this within a couple of minutes. It's obvious; everyone's complaining. It's actually a Man United game, so um, they'll they'll pick up on it. It took them about twenty minutes or more to put a message on the screen that they knew we were having audio difficulty and then took until about three minutes before halftime for them to turn the screen screen black for about 20 seconds and then come back with the synced audio, uh, synced yeah. audio and video, which I, I, I was just unacceptable and really um, a level of sloppiness. We're not accustomed to from NBC. We have these problems a lot with ESPN plus we have these problems. Uh, uh, we have all kinds of quality control issues with Fox through the years, but it's not something I expected from NBC, it, it, and hopefully it's just a one-off. Yeah, unfortunately, this happens quite a lot too. I, I mean, even with CBS and Paramount Plus, uh, oftentimes, well, not oftentimes, but it does happen where the, I mean, the audio is ahead of the video, 
so you know what's happening in a goal uh, attempt. You mean before actually, actually before you see it. So you hear the commentators say goal uh, before, you know, just as a corner is being kicked. Those types of things, which which is really a pet peeve. Um, but this goes across all of uh, all of streaming. Is uh, this is something that definitely needs to be looked at, and it's something that I hope that those people behind the scenes actually watching the coverage that actually watching uh, even basically kind of a quality assurance or customer assurance um, making sure that they're checking this making sure everything's working correctly so i said i was going to wait for the listener mailbag i'll just say it now chris uh this uh mistake in addition to some uh, uh horrible bundesliga mistakes that i think we'll get into uh on espn plus had people yesterday sunday the day after all of this had happened uh we're recording this on Monday again, uh, texting me and, and WhatsApping me. Hey, you know, if this is the way the streaming services are going to be, we're either going to just sit behind the VPN and get broadcasts from elsewhere, or we're going to go back to illegal streaming, which is something we don't advocate. We don't want to see, but it's reality, right? That's the consumer acting based on the quality control issues at streaming services in their coverage of soccer. So uh, to the executives out there, beware of that because uh, mm-hmm. there is a kind of brewing discontent because this is happening too often. And as I said, I haven't noticed it with NBC before, so I think this hopefully is a one-off with them. But you mentioned CBS. It's happened a lot with them, particularly in UEFA uh, broadcasts. And then ESPN, it's happening a lot. Fox has quality control issues always. So... Um, it's a problem, I think, for the media companies. All right, so let's switch over to the uh, listener mailbag. First up, which is a good segue, is Frank. Frank says, um, how do I love ESPN Plus? It's a simple formula. I subscribe and I can watch every La Liga match, every one. But with the worthless Peacock, there is a capricious uh, allotment of Premier League matches any given week. It's the second successive week where my, my son and I find ourselves unable to enjoy Manchester City unless we fork over an additional $40 a month to Sling or some other pricey service. I simply fail to understand why NBC does not offer every match available across all of their networks on their app. Simply charge more for all of the Premier League content. I have read many stories calling uh, Peacock a money-losing failure while knowing a bunch of customers... um, are sending money to Sling or Fubo because NBC can't somehow exercise full rights with the Premier League and are reduced to playing substandard matches. This year, I refuse to get another service to watch world-class football. I already have Paramount for the Champions League, but a friend told me he can watch all the matches on YouTube TV. I'm skeptical and need to inquire further, but he assured me he can watch them all. I suppose the point of his of this griping is to understand if NBC is aware of this or even cares. Do they still cling to the idea that people will subscribe to cable packages if they manipulate content availability? Thank you. So a, a few things here. So we, with YouTube TV, it's not going to give you every single uh, Champions League match. I mean, it's going to give you some of those matches, uh, the ones that are on CBS, um, and uh, and then on the Spanish channels, but um, I mean, as an example, uh, VIX Plus, which is their paid streaming service, um, that shows some of the games, the Champions League games. Um, so it's not you're not going to get every single game through YouTube TV um, or, or Fubo. You mean you, it's the same same type of thing too. Basically, it's a cable replacement um, available as a, as a streaming service. Well, I mean NBC Sports. I mean it, it is. 
I mean, they're in the situation, right, where they're owned by Comcast. So they want people to remain Comcast customers to watch uh, games on USA Network, on cable, as well as their uh, over-the-air channel, NBC, and then also subscribe to to Peacock uh, for what five ninety nine a month. So to so to me, I mean five ninety nine to me, even with issues with audio, just like this one game from this past weekend, it's worth it. I mean it's. I mean, you're gonna. I mean, this past week, this past Sunday was a great example, right? You had four games kicking off in the Premier League at the same time. Uh, of those four games, three of them were exclusive to Peacock, uh, and then one of them, uh, the Brighton against Bournemouth game, was on uh, USA Network. So those three games, you mean Arsenal against Spurs, Chelsea against Aston Villa, and then Liverpool against West Ham. I mean, those are not substandard games by any means. And and obviously with Peacock, they're looking at this, thinking, okay, hey, I mean, we can put some of the, the big games on Peacock and get people subscribing to that, uh, in addition to whatever else they subscribe to, which oftentimes would be would be uh, Comcast. So um, yeah, the ESPN Plus model for La Liga and the Bundesliga is it, perfect, right? And and ideally, I'd love to see Peacock at some point, maybe the next year or two offering something that was, hey, if you want to watch all the Premier League matches, you can go ahead and subscribe for just a little bit more and have access to every single game. I, I know I'd be a happy customer with that. Um, I'm sure this would be too. And it's it's bound to happen at some point, especially as cable becomes less and less of an important strategy or less and less of an important uh, product, really, uh, that people are buying. So um, any additional thoughts here, Kartik, on this one? Uh, no, other than I don't think NBC is going to do that because Comcast is a cable company and ultimately they still want you to subscribe to Xfinity or whatever Comcast service. And so they're going to keep the USA Network games uh, exclusive to USA. Right, right, right. All right. And then uh, Bundesliga. So we've got uh, two comments. I'll, I'll read them both. One is from Bill. One's from Martin. Bill says, is it me or has ESPN Plus's uh, Bundesliga goal arena been a complete disaster, which is the whip around show? Uh, the feed seems to be always, always choppy, no matter what service or browser I watch it on. I was really excited when they announced it, uh, that it was coming to ESPN Plus, but I've been really disappointed with its execution. And then Martin says, and now the Frankfurt against Freiburg feed goes down. Two games in a row from ESPN Plus this weekend. Their failure rate is incredible this year, worse than Chelsea. Is this happening with La Liga games as well? La Liga games, I don't think so. I mean, the ones I watch, which is not as much as the Bundesliga, uh, I haven't encountered any issues. Um, Not to say that there hasn't been any, but but overall, Kartik, I'm sure you've been able to experience this more than I have. I haven't watched as much Bundesliga as, as, as I think you would have done. But what's happening? What, any 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 intel on this? I, I don't have the intel other than to say it's happening a lot. Uh, there are also times where there are outages in the middle of games, and then you get that blue screen of death, which is ESPN Plus, or you know something scrolling our program, or you know we have technical difficulties, blah blah blah, right? And and uh, uh, it's uh, it's happening fairly often, and in terms of the the conference or the whip around show, yeah, it's it's almost uh, the production quality is, is is very very poor. So um, it's uh, and 
I don't think it's on the Bundesliga end because the Bundesliga has really good technology. They're really good at this. In fact, they're probably going back 15 years. They've been the, the forerunner. They've been the best league at some of this uh, production and technological things, and including even putting microphones in certain places in the ground. So you picked up that ambiance on television. They did that uh, in 2008, 2009, when no one had thought about it, right? In this sport, uh, as a as a regular thing, when you would watch a match from La Liga or, um, uh, or uh, uh, Serie A, it would be like watching a, a, a match in a box, right? There would be no crowd noise. So they've been very good at this stuff. So I think there's something going on on the technical side at ESPN Plus specifically. Now, when they have shown games on um, on uh, on ESPN2 or on ABC, we haven't had these issues. Uh, we haven't had many issues with EFL matches thus far this year. Uh, there are more EFL matches this season on uh, ESPN Plus. And there haven't been any issues that I've seen thus far. So it is a Bundesliga thing. Uh, yeah, it happened last year too. So it's not just this season. It, it, last year there was a lot of problems too. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm torn. I, I think it might be just an issue with the feed. And it may not be on the on ESPN Plus's side or it, it, it may not be in the Bundesliga side. Or maybe it's in between. <laughs> but there, there obviously is something going wrong where, I mean, and also it's not just the Bundesliga. It's also the Bundesliga 2 games too where there's been a lot of issues uh, last season, I remember. So th- there's something in the transmission where it's not happening correctly. ESPN Plus, you mean, really, I'm sure, wants to get the best coverage out there, the, the, the highest quality. I mean, it, they do have, I mean, every month, it, as far as sports go, they have more than a couple of thousand uh, different uh, live broadcasts going on. So they've got a ton of coverage that's on ESPN Plus. You mean from all sorts of different sports? Um, it's not intentional, I'm sure, um, but in terms of what the issue is, uh, we're not sure yet. But uh, hopefully, it can be fixed. Whatever it is. Uh, just a few more comments to go. Robert says, uh, "Does anyone watch the Saudi League games?" And 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 Robert, my answer to this question is. Um, we don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there are some people. I mean, none of the, the, the Saudi Pro League games that are on Fox Sports, I mean, most of them are on FS2 or Fox Soccer Plus. I think maybe there was maybe one on, on FS1, but none of them are generating enough of a viewership to be worth reporting. They're not actually, um, the numbers are so low that you mean it, it hasn't been reported. Um, but then having said that, I can probably say the same thing about MLS games on, on FS1, uh, this season where the numbers are so low that they're in the same category as the Saudi Pro League too, where those numbers haven't been reported either. So, um, yeah, it's, it's you mean, yes, obviously the Saudi games available on Fox Sports in the US is good news for those who, who want to watch it. Um, it's just that audience is not there yet. And, and I don't think it's an audience that says, hey, just because Cristiano Ronaldo or Neymar uh, are there, we're going to now watch those games. It, it takes time, but at least those games are available, uh, just as MLS games now and again, and, and once in the blue moon, are available on, on Fox or FS1. There, there seems to be, Chris, this effort among a lot of MLS uh, proponents, and I don't blame them because it's direct competition, uh, to try and run down the Saudi League. But I do have to remind people that uh, the Saudi League actually placed Al-Hilal in the uh, Club World Cup final 
this past year, right? They, they lost to Real Madrid in the final. Uh, they had beaten Flamengo in an earlier round. So um, that league is, uh, is pretty far along. In terms of, I mean, again, uh, Club World Cup, maybe you can say is just one snapshot in time, but uh, an MLS team has never won a match in that competition. So uh, I think the Saudi League is, is probably a pretty decent standard based on that. Yeah, yeah, and we saw the national team, right? The national team uh, in that game against Argentina in in the World Cup, right? So they, you mean, you mean you can't win them all, but you mean in terms of Saudi Arabia, they're actually got a decent national team also. All right, uh, two more comments to go. Next up is Martin. Uh, he wants to talk to us about the uh, fans following multiple teams. Uh, Martin says, great podcast as usual. And the part about people following many teams caught my ear. Um, I think there is a distinction between a supporter of a team and liking a team. I only support Karlsruhe, but we have a fan friendship with uh, Hertha Berlin. Uh, so I root for them. I also root for St. Pauli. I love their punk ethic plus liberal left-wing politics. And Dortmund and Frankfurt for uh, great fan scenes or stadium atmosphere. Same for other countries where I find teams that suit my taste. Uh, I lived near uh, Seville, uh, Sevilla, so I root for them. and uh, or, or because they used to have great German players like Inter Milan. There can be many reasons... To, to root for a team, but there is only room to truly support one. Uh, great, great feedback there from Martin. And then last but not least, uh, Chris uh, wants to talk to us about NWSL. He says, hi, guys. With how MLS Season Pass has been received in terms of subscriptions and the high production values, it has me thinking about if Apple could do something similar with the NWSL especially since the media rights deal with CBS is due uh, to end at the end of the season. My question is uh, to either of you, do you think partnering with Apple and doing the, the exact same deal or close to the same deal that MLS made would be beneficial to the NWSL long term? Kartik, the, the, the interesting thing about this one to me still is that, I mean, Apple still is missing that television partner. Right. So with CBS, yes, people have been complaining this season about um, CBS and, and, and Paramount Plus, uh, some of their coverage. And you mean, but basically what it does provide you is a streaming platform as well as uh, some of those games being shown on television. And, and those games that are shown on television have uh, really impressive uh, viewing numbers. Um, but what about NWSL and Apple? Could you foresee something like that happening? I'd be hesitant to pull NWSL off of broadcast television. I don't know that anyone is going to give them. Apple certainly can't, uh, or but other networks also are not going to give them the sort of broadcast windows CBS has carved out for them. Uh, and and uh, that's something that I think uh, uh, NWSL uh, has to be concerned about going forward. Uh, being on the same uh, media platform as MLS may not uh, suit them either because they'd be playing second fiddle. But yeah, there have been a lot of complaints about CBS this year uh, and how they've covered NWSL. And there's also 
an undercurrent in in the U.S. women's soccer community uh, about other leagues in Europe. Uh, although maybe some of them should get their heads out of their sand, out of the sand after what happened in the women's World Cup, but that's a whole other conversation. Uh, and how much CBS is promoting those leagues as well. So um, it, it it feels like NWSL wants to be a lot of people around NWSL want to see the league treated kind of uniquely and special as if it's this premium uh, product. CBS had done that to a certain extent. Uh, this is CBS's fourth season broadcasting NWSL matches, uh, but this season maybe less so because they have acquired rights to, to UEFA Women's Champions League, which is the best women's club uh, uh, soccer product in the world, in my opinion, and in the opinion of many. Uh, it's not NWSL anymore, as well as the WSL. Uh, obviously, uh, England made the, the, the World Cup final, and uh, there are players from other top European countries in, in the English League as well, and some of these other uh, matches that they've shown. Uh, they've shown a lot of Barcelona matches. So um, I think that that's the question. So Apple may not be the right partner, but maybe they jump somewhere else. I think Warner Discovery might be interested. Um, the CW we we has come up in passing in, in the listener mailbag. I've thought about them at NWSL, uh, but then you would still need some sort of streaming streaming partner. Maybe that would be Apple. Maybe that would be uh, you go back to doing stuff with Twitch and, and Amazon. Uh, who knows? But I, I do think that there are some possibilities for them. I'm just not sure Apple is the right one. Yeah, the, the, the tricky thing with women's soccer is that uh, – you don't want to have all of the games in, I mean, 10 different places. You want to have it, ideally, you want to have it in one home that really embraces women's soccer, and that's the place to go to watch most of the games. And we have that kind of now, sort of, with Paramount+. Plus. I mean, it has the Women's Super League, it has the NWSL, it has a lot of the um, the competitions in terms of some of the, the friendly tournaments that are go- going on, as well as some other rights, too, that, that it does have. Um, so with Apple... You mean it, move, moving to a different platform? I can see. I mean, to me, NWSL is really modeled after MLS. It's very similar in terms of the way it operates. So I could see NWSL having that conversation with Apple and thinking that, hey, this could be a good move for us. We can actually have uh, Apple turn in some of our players into celebs and, and, and characters, uh, which which Apple seems to love. But. Um, you mean, and then financially, yeah, financially, it could give them a huge boost, um, a much needed boost in terms of help helping that league out. But then, is that the right move for you mean for viewers, for soccer fans, you mean fans of, of women women's soccer? Um, I mean, you mentioned too the women's UEFA Champions League. That one has moved now, so this that one's going to be on DAZN this season. Oh, that's um, right. That's right. Yeah, so so that that's one that's already out. You mean, and that's that's a paid platform. It's no longer. I mean, most of those games are no longer going to be on YouTube for free anymore. So I think we're starting to see that a little bit already. Where you mean these rights are going to different places, um, but I still think that the part the part that Apple's missing is that TV broadcaster. Even if cable is die- dying, even if linear is dying, it's still important to have that. So maybe NWSL says, hey, Apple will have you stream the games and then CBS will have you broadcast the games on television. Maybe there's a deal that can be worked out there. Um, There's lots of possibilities, lots of different options. And um, we shall find out probably in the next few months. It's it's another another one in a series of TV rights deals or media rights deals that are up. I mean, we've got Serie A. We've got Liga and 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 the uh, NWSL. All three of them, those rights and um, 
in in the next uh, basically six to nine months. Serie A, we've got some stories over at worldsoccertalk.com that has some more details about some of the conversations that have been had. Uh, also, we've got some stories there too, talking about uh, Thierry Henry and Jamie Carragher in terms of uh, their contracts with CBS Sports and where those stand uh, and, and what has been said thus far about whether or not uh, Jamie Carragher and Thierry Henry will continue at CBS Sports. And then also League Gun. League One, we've got uh, a story about that too in terms of uh, where those rights stand uh, heading into the final season right now on, on BN Sports. So so lots of coverage there at worldsoccertalk.com. Kartik, uh, for those listeners who do want to uh, get involved and, and, and send us uh, your feedback, we'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, there's a bunch of different ways you can reach out to us. Uh, first is email, which is uh, web at worldsoccertalk.com. You can go to the website, worldsoccertalk.com, click on podcasts, and then leave your comments uh, in the, the thread there from the latest episode. Uh, Facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk. You can send us a message there. Uh, YouTube.com slash worldsoccertalk. You can leave comments. And uh, Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Uh, let us know if you want to, uh, us to read that out on air. And then last but not least, uh, voicemail. Uh, which is uh, US 561-247-4625. So it's 561-247-GOAL is the, the phone number to leave a voicemail there. Kartik, what's going on with uh, Beyond the, the 90? And uh, also, uh, where can listeners find you on social media? Yeah, so uh, at Beyond the 90, uh, we're going to be doing some coverage of potential World Cup uh, final venues for the United States this week, as well as, or in the next couple of weeks, as well as uh, some real deep dives on um, the structure and uh, difficulties for both NISA and uh, USL leagues. Uh, in fact, Beyond the 90, I think, has evolved into more uh, a site that covers U.S grassroots and lower division soccer uh, particularly closely. So those are going to be kind of the areas of focus. Uh, on social media, uh, I'm on a diff- bunch of different platforms. I'm not tweeting at the moment, but my Twitter remains open. So if you want to contact me, you can always DM me at KKFLA737. Uh, you can also find me on other platforms, Substack Notes, Blue Sky, and uh, Mastodon, among others. Yeah, I was wondering. Like, I didn't see any tweets from you this weekend. I was like, I wonder if, I hope Kartik's okay. <laughs> now I know why. Yeah, so uh, I, I'll get into that in the future, but not tweeting at the moment. But uh, okay. you can always contact me on Twitter via DM. My DMs are open. Awesome. All right, cool. All right, listeners. Well, thank you so much for uh, being with us. Uh, hopefully, we might have an interview uh, probably later this week or early next week with someone from Welcome to Wrexham. Uh, But uh, in addition to that, of course, we'll be back next week with another episode of this podcast. And again, too, we do really value your feedback and questions and opinions. So uh, send them to us and we'd love to read those out on air next week. And Kartik, on behalf of uh, you and I, in terms of uh, another great week of soccer ahead of us, uh, what should the listeners do and what are you going to do? Enjoy your football.